We're back. <laughs> Hello and welcome. It's episode 18 of the Caledonian Kings Wrestling Podcast and the Caledonian Kings are back in action. Um, we're here to count down to this year's Extreme Rules pay-per-view just a few days away. My good friend and co-host is also back with me. The Kane to my Undertaker, the Stephanie to my Shane McMahon, the WCW man, Rey Mysterio's biggest fan. Stuart, welcome back. <laughs> that was almost too good. It's almost a piece of script, this stuff. <laughs> eh, no, me. <laughs> I'm doing uh, so, Who's yourself? I it's just it's it's funny being back watching wrestling again. It's great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you uh-huh. break and it just refreshes you, and you come back, and it's uh, it's much needed, much needed. All guns blazing. Um, so Extreme Rules will be this Sunday. Um, of course, this is the inaugural Extreme Rules pay per view we're doing. Two thousand and nine. Um, the Extreme Rules pay per view moniker was there be spin on the successful, somewhat ECW one night stand events. Um. Each least successful than the predecessor to that, so uh, the 2005 through 2008. Um, it was only a matter of time before WWE sort of took that whole ECW thing and just started making it its own slowly but surely. Uh, and this was just another step in that and, and eventually shutting the door to the ECW thing altogether. Um, in terms of extreme rules, Stuart, what do you make as a, as a concept? You know, where every, every match has to be different. You know, different stipulations and just ups the ups the, the heat a wee bit in terms of the matches and stuff like that. It obviously kind of adds a wee bit of uh, originality to each match instead of just watching a singles match, a triple threat match. Um, I'm not a big fan of over glorifying stipulations and stuff like that, but there's a wide variety. Uh, and on this card, with the exception of uh, one or two, it was quite uh, quite enjoyable. Yeah, I think obviously this was the, the kickoff of the themed pay-per-view, wasn't it? It was really, you know, Extreme Rules, and then you had um, had a Breaking Point, which was a submission-based show, and <laughs> Hell in a Cell came in, and Money in the Bank would eventually come in, you know, where it was shows just built around certain match types, which yeah. I think got overdone to the end. But Extreme Rules, for me, was, was a good way to take that, you know, ECW feel and sort of say, well, let's try and turn the heat up. But by the same token, you do weaken yourself if you don't have foods that require it, you know. Um so it can be hit and miss. There has been some great years and some poor years with this show, but it is still ongoing to this to this day. So um must have made some money off it somehow. <laughs> <laughs> the gate suggests otherwise. <laughs> yes, well, uh, speaking of the gate, uh, the inaugural event had 9,124 in attendance in the New Orleans Arena in New Orleans, Louisiana. Um, $448,000 at the gate. Um, average ticket price of about $49.20. And pay-per-view buys worldwide. Any guesses? Uh, <laughs> I don't know, 100, 190? 213,000, not too far off, not too far off. Uh, no terrific numbers, but there'll be continually turn profits from pay-per-views every year, um, and it did that year as well. I mean, it, it just seems to be, you know, people are more likely to go to pay-per-views because they've got TV twice a week anyway, so like, if mm. pay-per-views come to your town, you're, you're more than likely, you know, we don't get any over here, but I'm pretty sure we'd be going, you know? <laughs> Yeah, and you would go to the, as you said, the TV tapings after it as well, make a weekend of it. Aye, um, just in general, Stuart, when it comes to 2009, um, were you tuned in at this point? Because I think this is where my switching off period came in. Uh, I mean, I think I was always in for the Rumble and Mania, but very little out with that. I, I, don't, I don't remember watching this pay-per-view. Um, ah, 2009, nah, probably nah. You know, I probably wasn't watching a lot. As you say, probably Mania. And that was about it. I don't think I started tuning back in again to maybe 2011, 2012 period. Yeah, that's um, what I, I was thinking. I was thinking 2009 to 2012 was sort of my tuning out sort of phase, you know. I think I was watching TNA at this point. Can't kind of believe me. <laughs> uh, not that they were doing much better. <laughs> no, no, but I mean... I, I was, and it's, it's strange as well because actually when you look at the card, you know there is some good talent on the card there, but the roster maybe for two or two or three years prior to this has really come down a few notches, you know, and yeah. um, trying to make some new stars coming through as well. It just wasn't at the same level neither. And you've got you know, Batista and Big Show still in the main yeah, events. Exactly. <laughs> to call this a transitional period is uh, is an understatement. Yeah, uh, Michael Cole and Jerry the King Law on commentary for this show, um, and the, the, the opening promo package shot up, you know voiceovers that, that, that is a highlighting basically your double slash triple main event um, obviously your two title matches and Cena and Big Show because obviously it's 2009 and Cena needs a showcase match as well um, so Cole and Lawler are on for the Raw commentary team um, Jim Ross and Todd Grisham uh, are the Smackdown commentary team um, what a bizarre combination 
the most bizarre thing as well is that uh, Todd Grisham's on play by play. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, out of the two, I mean, that's what you'd have to go with because JR's going to provide more better colour, isn't he? But it's, it's just, aye. Well, what, what a waste. Um, the best play-by-play commentator in the business ever, and he's on colour. Mm, yeah, we're just to that. Um, mm. Opening contest, a fatal four-way for the United States oh, Championship. No. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no. The opening contest <laughs> was a 15-minute tag team match between Kelly Kelly and Mickey James versus Beth Phoenix and Rosa Mendes <laughs> on the pre-show. <laughs> I was not sure if you'd noticed that, because that's the first thing I noticed. Like, normally, you have a wee glance at the pre-show match. And then I looked at the time, and I thought, "Are you fucking that's, kidding me?" That's a bit bizarre. I'm going to assume it, minutes. I'm going to assume fourteen and a half minutes of that was Mickey James versus Beth Phoenix. I'm oh, I have, hope so. I'm going to have to assume. Couldn't find, it, couldn't find any footage. Nobody could tape trade me. <laughs> no, I mean I'm sure it's I'm sure it's so rare and in demand yeah, that you know absolutely. nobody's ever going to part with that. It's lock and key in someone's safe. <laughs> um, Bullshit. <laughs> so uh, the second match on the card. Uh, <laughs> so WWE's resident fake Jamaican Kofi Kingston uh, with the United States Championship around his waist. He's going to defend in a fatal four way. His opponents. It's the 2009 King of the Ring winner William Regal. Um, what a wonderful surprise! Oh yes. Um, heel Matt Hardy with a broken hand uh, and Montel Vontavious Porter MVP. Um, Making this lineup complete. Kofi had won a title for MVP on Raw, so that sort of puts those two in there. Matt Hardy was sort of straight off his feud with Jeff Hardy, um, which is sort of from the tur- from the start of the year, you know, where he turned heel and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and Regal had pretty much sucked up to Vicky Guerrero to get himself into this match <laughs> in terrific Regal style. Um, Vintage Regal. What a mismatch of talent here. Uh, well, you say that, but like obviously Matt Hardy and MVP had that incredible feud. Yeah, kind of running through was it 2007 2008 period? Yeah, I'd have said yeah, then, yeah. Still Obviously, Regal can work with anyone, uh, and then the upcoming Kofi. I, I'd, I'd have to really disagree with you on that one, Martin. So yeah, this was a I think this was a fine, fine selection. Oh, I'm, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that you know that, that anybody, I've just been in, in terms of when you look at them, yeah, which one of these is not like the other, you know, they're also. Different in every every way, and yeah, they all work different styles. Um, I think, I think uh, I'm going to assume Hardy was legitimately injured in this match yeah. because uh, they kept him out of that as much as they could. Yeah, he did very very little. Mm-hmm. Um, standing outside for the earliest parts of the match, took very little bump. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean they could probably left him out of the match, but I think they wanted to maybe keep momentum going for him. Um, wasn't much happening in this match. Um, no. it, it felt like they were rushing through things a little bit. Um, you know, Regal took Kofi to the chop for a sort of double underhook suplex. MVP attempts to join in to make the Tower of Doom. He slips and everyone just sort of crumbles. Mm-hmm. It just looked ridiculous. Um, all three men were down. Hardly, that's when we say Hardly comes out in the match, tries to get the pinfalls. Um, I say very, very little done for him. Kofi, of course, the ultimate baby face, up and coming, you know, high energy, super fun. Um, finding off sort of three bigger guys than him, you know. Um, Unfortunately, you know, I thought it was just clumsy. Um, Kofi gets a win over Regal uh, with Trouble in Paradise in 6.42. Um, I think Regal's viciousness was probably the best um, showcase in this match. And, and uh, I mean, I, d- I didn't think it was that bad, to be honest with you. I thought it was a nice, it was a nice wee quick opener. Um, it wasn't overly booked like, you know, most fatal four ways are. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they had to get the, the dance partner right and you know, that, that kind of nonsense. Uh, I, I, the only downside for me in this match was that Regal took the fall. Um, yeah, I thought it was a nice showcase for Kofi here, kind of upcoming just out of ECW and that. Uh, I, I, good stuff. I thought it was like a fine opener. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't say it was it was it was terrible. You know, I just yeah. I just felt like at times, you know, they were rushing through things, and with the four guys that were in there, I did expect a little bit more. You know, I yeah. did expect uh, individually. You know, I mm. expect a little bit better out the four of them. Um, I know Kofi was still coming up, but actually, I think his performance was probably the better of the, the, best, of, the yeah. of the four. Um, it looked very very smooth and everything that he did. So. I think you can kind of give a pass to obviously Mark for for being injured. You know what I yeah. mean? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not bad, not bad. Um, I should I should probably use this to point out that the William Regal, this is your wrestling life, will be dropping hopefully by the end of the month. Um, which we're really looking forward to getting finished and and, and done with. Um, yeah, it's taking so long because it's hard to narrow down so many great matches, and it's just a handful that we can actually watch. Yeah, because I mean, we we would just watch them all, you know, <laughs> every Regal match ever. <laughs> come come listen to our twenty four part William Regal. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so next up we see Prison Haircut Josh Matthews interviewing Big Show from his trailer um, asking his strategy for the match tonight against John Cena in a submission match um, 
you know, basically the, the, the storyline they're trying to build here is John Cena cannot lock in his STF on the big show because he's mm-hmm. too big. I mean, looking at Cena's matches, he's, he's never fucking locked in anyway. <laughs> and to the other point, the big show doesn't have a submission finisher. So. No, he's just, he was just fucking sit on you. Um, what about, <clears throat> remember in ECW when he done that shit at fucking, it was like a dragon sleeper thing and he kind of, you know, so he's, <laughs> the only way I can describe it is by going an even bizarre reference. Uh, uh, Billy Gunn's the one and only finish. <laughs> <laughs> right, so he hooks him around the, around the neck and then he, but he slams him onto the knee and kind of wiggles him about. That was his finisher in ECW. Oh. It was fucking dreadful, man. I mean, what, what? I mean, the bear hug maybe? But yeah, that just makes sense. That's Ma- just a, a big man the master staple, lock. isn't it? Like, master lock would be fine. Uh, a full Nelson action. Mm-hmm. Um or, you know, so just sit on them. I just just sit on them. I mean, you're fucking. Yeah, I mean, they said four hundred and forty pounds, but it's probably more than that at the time. I mean, he did have a bit of gut on him still there. He, um, he'd come back against me. Whether looking hefty, incredible. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think he was looking incredible after he came. Oh, oh, Mayweather, I did actually think with himself because uh, he knew the spotlight was going to be on him. I suppose, but uh, it just sort of yeah. fluctuates, doesn't it? It kind of easy when you're on the road though, um, and you're carrying that much baggage. You know, it, definitely. It, it cannot be easy. Um, so now we go to the SmackDown commentary team for this whopper feud between Chris Jericho and Rey Mysterio. Oh, yes. I'm just looking forward I to this. Um, I think you watched this before me and you're like, get yourself ready for this. You're going to, you're going to need a bit of warming up, you know. Um, pre-match promo from Jericho um, where he walks from the merch stand through the crowd, um, berating Rey Mysterio and everything that he stands for. Um, every time a fan touches him, <laughs> he just tells him off, get off me, I'll yeah. knock you out, Junior. Brilliant. This is Jericho. Um, this, oh. is, this is prime Jericho for me. Did I assume you like this incarnation of him yeah. as well? Yeah, this is the best Jericho. This is the hottest thing through these years was, was Jericho and probably punk straight edge stuff. Like yeah. through sort of this was like the hot heel stuff. Um uh, I've also noticed as well that Mysterio just seems to be on every fucking pay per view that we review, apparently. Um I remember him being injured a lot. Like apparently I just don't have the fucking luck. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know what it is? Because the pay-per-views he's not on are not worthy of review. Uh, I'm um, that's what it is. <laughs> and that'll do us for this week. <laughs> so, I mean, Jericho, total heel magnet, heat magnet, rather. Um, and he swears he's going to take the mask from the Mysterio and the Intercontinental Championship um, and sure became his biggest fan there soon after. Um so the mask, of course, this, this match is is worthy of becoming a fan. <laughs> oh, it's great! I mean, you know the whole the whole mask thing in Mexican wrestling, of course, being a sacred part of it, and and the biggest thing of disrespect is to remove one's mask. Um, I mean, it doesn't quite have the same heat in America, but when it comes to Rey Mysterio and obviously the the, 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 ch- yeah. the child the child demographic that support him, um, it definitely does still have that heat, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Uh, maybe for a different reason, but it's still there. Um, it's a nice visual goal for Jericho to rip the mask off, and that's all, yeah. that's all wrestling is. It's a visual goal. Uh, you need to see him working towards something. Um, and In terms of WWE, they weren't quite PG yet, um, so they still... But they were, they were heading in that direction, oh, you know, so the, the parameters were definitely tightened on mm-hmm. this one, um, and I think they did an absolutely hell of a job to make this you know, as much of a personal feud as they could within those parameters. Yeah, um, you don't have to be fucking bleeding, bleeding everywhere to have a good, solid uh, match with high chem. These two had have some high chemistry in this match. Yeah. Um, this, this, this is one you would put on in the performance centre to your new recruits and oh, stuff, wouldn't you? You'd be like, watch this. You know, this is what you can do within the parameters and within the confines of the WWE. Um, of course, there's no holes barred as well. Um a fast start to the match shows a bit of intensity and tension between both men. Um, as you said, mate, good chemistry. Um, straight off the bat, you could tell, you know, the exchanges, very the counters. Crisp, very crisp, yeah. Um, it just kind of keeps you tuned in, you know, when you, there's so much back and forth early on, you're like, what's going to happen next, you know? Um, been... Todd Grisham on commentary is not my cup of tea, and I'm sure that, I'm, not, I'm not sure that the Todd Grisham fan club's going to come hunting for me either. <laughs> just... Could not stand the guy on commentary. Um, bit, bit bland, but um, oh, oh, I mean, I take Michael Cole over him any day. Um, I think we call him a bit dour. I think that would be the word that we. Aye, aye, a bit, aye, a bit dull. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Jericho counts as a six one nine attempt and a spinning backbreaker, which I've never seen him do before in terms of the spinning backbreaker thing. Absolutely lovely. Um, he misses a line salt and takes a six one nine to the back of the head mm. before he counters the West Coast popping it a code breaker. Oh, oh Outstanding. Goodness me, how nice was that sequence? Fucking incredible, man. <laughs> See at that point, man, I was on the edge of my seat. Like, fuck yeah, man, this is you just tune in. Really. People, mm. Jer- Jericho, I mean, I've got to say, he never gets the credit. He does get the credit because people know how good he is. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's, he's one of those people who everybody realizes that everything he does, you know. He, it gets you to tune in, he entertains you. Um, yeah, definitely. It's time for the whole bars, no holes barred to come into effect. Uh, Jericho brings a chair into the match, but it gets drop kicked in his face. Um, I thought the match was built really, really well. They sort of constantly keep pushing it further and further, you know, constantly accelerating um, towards the finish. It was never, you know, it never went back a step. Very um, well paced. Very well. Yeah. Near fall after near fall. Um, Jericho walks in the walls. Um, Ray manages to get the chair. Lightly hits Jericho on the head. At least we tap. We think, uh, move on. Uh, sets him up for the 619. And as Ray goes for it, Jericho sort of pinches the mask from Ray's face. Oh, it's forces him to cover up his face, and Jericho goes him up for the win. Yeah. Um, New Intercontinental Champion. Jericho stands tall with the title and Ray Mysterio's mask after 14 minutes and 43 seconds. Um, mega thumbs up for me. It was, you know, the, the story up to the match, which has been, you know, well documented in terms of how good a feud it was, um, but the actual story told throughout the match, um, the finish, my God, whoever whoever came up with that finish, I think it was Jericho because I read his book, uh, the Best in the World book, mm-hmm. and he spoke about that because he, I think he had that idea, but he needed Ray Mysterio to wear a specific mask. So obviously Ray would normally wear the masks that are tied at the back, yes. the laces, but he needed one that was maybe just elastic. So the Ray's like, yeah, I've got one like that, so so they could just. Oh, um, all right, okay. Yeah, yeah, really create a finish. Um, yeah, that's in Jason Jericho's book. Any of his books are worth a read, to be honest with you. They're absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah, loved it, and I know you did too. <laughs> uh, yeah, very smooth between the two of them. Uh, I say great pace, great storytelling. Um, this is probably one of Jericho's better matches. Like, It's definitely in his top three of all time. Um, as you said, 14.43 it was. Uh, I yeah. absolutely flew in. I can say one thing about this match. It's go fucking watch this match. It's yeah. so good. And you know, I, I wouldn't even say it needed more time or anything. I just think it was absolutely perfect. Yep. You know, like fifteen minutes was just perfect time to tell the story, build the story. Um, I see the match was so well paced. That, that comes down to two veterans in there who you know know how to work a match and know how to pace it well and get the best out of the story. Yeah, and fantastic. Thing I noticed as well. See, we watched. Uh, I think we watched Ray versus Eddie. Uh, for the Guerrero retrospective, and it was a ladder match. The two of them just didn't have any chemistry at all, which was bizarre. Yeah, how long they've been wrestling each other. Obviously, kind of same length of time Ray's been wrestling Jericho, and nah, it's incredible the difference in chemistry. Yeah, you kind of teach that sort of chemistry, it just happens and it doesn't, doesn't it? But I mean, yeah, it was outstanding. Um, Josh Matthews backstage again. Number one contender Batista is going to take on the Viper um, Randy Orton after he punted Ric Flair on Raw. Um, also did the same to Batista a few months prior to this. Um, a good cold promo from Batista there. Um, so he's not going to stop until he's taken away Orton's legacy. Quite like that. Um, no, thought it was worth yes. noting. <laughs> uh, we'll get to the match, don't worry. Uh, <laughs> the following match is a Samoan strap match uh, between Umaga and CM Punk. Um, very much to the reason that uh, there was a Caribbean strap match with Savio Vega because he's from the Caribbean and Umaga is from Samoa. That's uh, <laughs> that's the only difference between that and a standard strap that's match. all um, of the story that you'll be getting. <laughs> yeah. Um, first and foremost, Umaga had a different theme song, which I never recalled. I don't know if it was quite a new thing, but it reminds me of Crash Bandicoot, you know, yeah, sort, of, yeah, very sort of African drums and stuff like that. Uh, very nice. CM Punk's song is the old Fire Burns one. I mean, Glorious. there's not too many people who have always had great theme songs, but him and... I mean, in fact, I wouldn't even say Randy on because he had a shit one right at the start. But Punk's theme songs have been... You know, the two he had were absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. Um, yeah. Love them. Um, but Punk is also Mr. Money in the Bank, worth noting. Um, so this is one of the four corners strap matches. No, no, um, I hate this stipulation, man. Yeah, so you obviously have to touch all four corners and successively to, to win the match. Um well, she's obviously attached to the other person. I prefer the other type, you know, the hard hitting, the old style Texan bull rope matches or the strap matches for, you know, but used to have fucking, what's his face, fucking Stan Hansen and stuff like that, beat the shit out of each other. Um, <laughs> that's the old way, you know. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> uh, so, Punk wins this one. I'm not going to go nah, through the match because I, I, I really tuned out. Um, the finish was okay. Um, Punk hits three corners. Omega attempts to cut him off. Um, gets caught up with the GTS and Punk hits the fourth corner for the win in nine minutes. Um, not bad, but not great. 
you know, Punk was trying to fight from underneath. It didn't make a lot, a lot of sense for me. Um, you know, with Punk trying to inflict, you know, like Umaga tried to hit the corner straight from the get go, and it's like, no, surely Umaga should be trying to beat Punk up, yeah. and Punk should be trying to hit the corners mm-hmm. to get out of the match. You know, that would make more sense psychologically, but it wasn't there. Yeah, but um, it made more sense if Punk was the heel and Umaga was the face. Yeah, like, with the way they went with it, yeah. The smaller guys um, trying to escape the, the match, and the big guys just, nah, I'm going to punish you. Yeah, it was also a bit backwards. Um, it was, the crowd weren't in there either. Uh, it was just, no. The match just moves too slowly, because they're, they're both so limited with, with the movement, with the strap and play. It's just yeah. garbage, man. Uh, it's a total mismatch of styles, as it was. Um, so this would actually be Umaga's final appearance in WWE. Um, he'd be released on the 8th of June, Um for a second failure of the wellness policy, and he refused to go to re- uh, rehab. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in hell December that, uh, that year, he would pass away. Um, which is quite a sad ending. Um, and what, what do you remember of Umaga? I mean, I remember his debut and how impactful he was sort of within that first year. You know, I yeah. think that first year when he was uh, on the main roster, uh, he was brilliant. Um, I have more memories uh, when he was in three minute warming with uh, ah, right, yeah. uh, Rosie and Jamal coming in as Bischoff's bodyguards. They obviously, yeah. Bischoff would hit the full, ah, you've only got three minutes shtick, and then mm-hmm. they would jump the barricade and kind of think, ah, that's fucking bright, man, guys. Uh, he's like, um, he's like the kind of predecessor to guys like Bray Wyatt or Husky Harris at the time. Like, you know I mean, the big guy, he can, break it, he can fucking move, you know what I mean? Yeah, he can go, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, sad tale, but I, I quite like Umaga, Umaga as a character as yeah, well. Um, remember when, him and, uh, when he first came out, I think it was after, basically after the Battle of the Billionaires stuff that he got dragged into, yeah. which really hurt him because obviously he was, he was losing to Lashley constantly, of and that sort of really did hurt, hurt his character a bit, but that first year, I remember him feuding with Cena and you know, um, wiping people out left and right. Yeah. Triple H would eventually beat him. Nah. Of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we now have the ECW commentary team of Matt Stryker and the all-rounder for tonight, Josh Matthews. I can cut moves about like anything here. Um, <laughs> and then even more bizarrely, backstage we see Gregory Helms in a suit with his ponytail and all interviewing Christian. Um, what the fuck? They must be clearly short on backstage interviews here. Uh, Sugar Shane asks ECW champion how he's going to approach his match tonight. Um, basically, the story here is Tommy Dreamer versus Christian versus Jack Swagger. Um, if Tommy Dreamer doesn't win tonight, he's going to be out with WWE or ECW. Um, Christian with the belt and then the youngster Jack Swagger coming in. Jack Swagger sort of wanders into the three after Dreamer and, and Christian are arguing. He starts speaking and the two of them just disappear. They just walk away. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> brilliant. Fucking Captain Jack getting, uh, getting a dissy there. <laughs> Aye. <laughs> um, negatives, Christian out first. This is the theme of the night. Champions coming out first. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the other negative is the state your fucking belt, mate. It's, uh, yeah, that horrible 50 pence <laughs> silver. Yeah. <laughs> ECW title. Um, positives, his theme song is an absolute banger. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, what a tune. It's absolutely a ringtone quality. You know, this, this oh. is the kind of song <laughs> that your mate who had LimeWire and you didn't download from his phone, on his phone from his PC, take two hours on a dial-up and they come into school the next day and Bluetooth it to your Motorola Pebble so that you could have that song when your mom called you saying your dinner's ready. That's the kind of level this song is at. <laughs> People out, out with the UK have no idea that's, what I'm talking uh, about. That's quite specific, though. Oh, I, I mean, that's, I mean, that's, you know, suspicious. Like groups of, it's like good song, great song, and then it's Lime Motorola Wire Pebble theme song, like that sort of <laughs> level of... Aye, that... <laughs> uh, this match I noticed as well. Apparently, unprotected headshots are allowed in this pay per view. Uh, I'm pretty sure they outlawed that in 2000, 2007 or 8. Yeah, um, soon after Benoit went, yeah, wasn't it? Um, apparently, don't care in this pay per view. Bang, headshot, headshot, headshot. Yeah, hardcore triple threat match. Um, extreme rules hadn't actually come into effect yet, despite the pay per view name. It wasn't actually a match type yet. Mm-hmm. Um, just a quick note actually, Tony Chimmel was on announcing duties. Um, just for the ECW match. He's a forgotten name, isn't he? Like, yeah. He was there for so long as well. And he's just one of the... Kind of, Obviously, you know, he's the name... He's the ring announcer you associate with Edge, mostly in yeah. SmackDown era, isn't he? Uh, yeah. He must have been winding down. Um, I'm pretty sure he's... Yeah, I, think think he's so. I think he's still with the company just now. He's, he's certainly yeah, makes some sporadic appearances. I'm not sure exactly what he does now, but I'm sure he maybe, you know, part yes. of the ring crew and stuff uh, like that, maybe, uh, you know. Maybe a producer or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um... So I mean, this was this was a fun enough match. I thought, you know, it was as well as it's a hardcore match, WWE style. So you kind of 
need to take a pinch of salt, don't you? Uh, um, I mean, I thought it was bollocks. <laughs> yeah, I thought there was one spot in the match, and it was the the Tower of Doom spot, and it was only mm-hmm. kind of remotely nice. It wasn't wasn't great. Um, Dreamer, right? He does this spot where he sets up a pump handle, kind of pump handle follow away slam, but he sets it up with a Singapore cane. Um, yeah. for no reason. It wouldn't add to the pain at all. It's just stupid. Absolutely fucking. Shit. I've never been a fan of Tommy Dreamer. Um, no, just never got him. Never understood him. You know, I'm going to assume if you were a can I ECW fan back in the nineties that, that you would be a fan of Dreamer, but um, yeah. nah, he's, he's not my cup of tea either, mate. No, and I'm, I'm the same with Jack Swagger. I've just never been a fan. I just never got him. I think the best stuff he ever did was the, the stuff with Zeb Coulter. You know, oh, when, I, I like Jack. <laughs> when, when Zeb was doing all the talking, and that was that was that would do me. Yeah. But I just, I, I just I, thought it was a personality vacuum. I, I, just... I thought he was brilliant to watch. He's he's, um, he's all American, American gimmick, or uh, even before like his Captain Jack Swagger gimmick. Mm-hmm. Come down there, coming halfway down the line, just start doing press ups and stuff. I was like, oh, what, a, what a fucking beast, man. Um, nah, not for me. I think um, I think he came in with too much hype. Obviously, being kind of touted as the next Kurt Angle, the next Brock Lesnar, because of that obviously yeah. amateur background and he was a beast. Um, I think he has one of those legitimate tough guys over and they would to fucking destroy you backstage. Um, yeah. And I think we've seen that, that he's now in MMA and uh, what is in, in Bellator or some strike force. Yeah, he was in Bellator there, yeah. Uh, yeah. Ah, not for me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Christian, uh, no, who gets the win? Dreamer gets the win Dreamer on this one. Big feel good moment for him, apparently. Um, nah, I always felt that. But <laughs> uh, if you were in Philadelphia or a, or a ECW Mark town, maybe. But yeah, but I mean, this is two thousand and nine. You know, yeah, like give it a just, fucking rest, man. Ah, he's beating a dead horse now. You know. Um, also, after he wins the title, striker calls him by his real name, which is just Stupid. so geeky, yeah. so geeky. Um, oh, by the way, after that Tower of Doom spot, we get the worst chant in wrestling history. It was the most PG cringeworthy chant ever. It was just a front row, and instead of chanting "Holy shit," they chanted "Oh my god," and it was fucking horrendous. <laughs> and I just remember looking at them, going, like, ah, "Are you fucking kidding me? Are you shitting me?" <laughs> As if they've been, you know, given a letter of PG ruling, like, "Oh no, no swear words now, come on." <laughs> oh my god, oh, fuck off. Well, is this not uh, the time where WWF, eh, WWF, fuck me, eh, <laughs> were getting accused of like proper planting in their in their audience? Like, you're probably right, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Ridiculous. Uh, absolutely ridiculous. Good stuff. Um, Good stuff. <laughs> so, um, the next match. Yes, uh, Mark. You're absolutely right to think that I didn't watch this match. <laughs> oh, yes. You're it's this bullshit. Correct. Or should I say pig shit? Um, oh, nice. <laughs> Vicky Guerrero defends her prestigious title of Miss WrestleMania that she'd won from, you guessed it, Santina Morella. Uh, it's a hog pen match. How fitting. Um, the only thing that annoys me, the thing that annoys me most about Santina Morella, right, is the fact that you used Billy and Chuck's theme song. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. the thing that annoys me the most about everything. You know, people are like, "Oh, it's so disrespectful to the women's division." And blah blah blah. I'm like, it's just disrespectful that to Billy song. and Chuck. Fuck me. I know. Like, let's, not disrespect. Forget, let's not forget Rico. I hope Rico comes back and kicks your fucking head off. <laughs> uh, 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 bollocks. Let's move on. It's, it's still a B version of comedy. Um, yeah, Santina wins in a hog pen match. Uh, Shit. Um, do you recall uh, any previous Hogpen matches, Stuart? Uh, yes, uh, fucking Hunter Hearst Helmsley versus uh, <laughs> one of the Godwins. <laughs> one of the Godwins, I think it was Philly. Phineas? Uh, Phineas, uh, whatever. Yeah. Right. It was Pig, it was PIG, whatever your name was. Yeah. It wasn't a Hog, it was Pig. Phineas I Godwin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, aye. Moving and, on. And, uh... and, and. And the fucking apparently it's our staple match because Vicky Guerrero had one with well shit I think her and Steph they ended up in a hog pen at one point. Oh, or... was that uh, was it no maybe? Because uh, Steph got thrown in it anyway. Yeah. And, uh, that was when Vicky got the sack. Yeah, um, yeah. So I remember I can't remember exactly what it was now. Um, ah, that good. So you've got your, your WWE Championship match up next. Batista versus Randy Orton in a steel cage match, but not before we see some backstage stuff with Vicky. Um, and Chavo and Edge, um, and Edge drops all the bombs, saying that Vicky should get a good divorce attorney. Pew, pew. Uh, it's pretty much after <laughs> she, she, she wasn't going to help Edge with his match, so it's yeah. a bit of storyline progression there. <laughs> <laughs> so, champion out first again. Um, what the fuck is going on? Uh, <laughs> every match. Uh, Batista's all business. Um, 
doesn't give a shit for the ring announcements, just pacing like a caged animal, um, ready for the war. I thought that was really, really good. Saves a story a wee bit before the match actually gets going, and that goes right out the window. Um, Orange was a bit of sliminess early on, trying to go at the cage straight off the bat, um, which makes sense. Did you hear the marks in the crowd shouting, you can't wrestle at Batista? Yes, I did. Nah, fuck <laughs> off. Nah. <laughs> it, it might not be, he's not Ric Flair, but ugh, he can fucking wrestle. Like, uh, uh, utterly ridiculous. Um, fucking marks, man. So Batista should be wanting to inflict as much damage as possible, but it just felt like a normal match. Like, it, it just didn't feel, you know, like it was the end of a blood feud or it just sort of like it was there. <laughs> the way you I, that so the way I looked at this match was that uh, Dave, obviously the big powerhouse, I don't think he, did, he didn't need to use the kind of cage as a weapon. He could literally just outpower Orton. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was pretty much the case because like Dave was he was in control for the full match except for a few sequences. Yeah. Uh, but Orton barely got a look at barely got a look in. Um, I would say this is one level up from a squash match. Uh, yeah. I, th- I thought Dave ran out of him. Um, I thought I thought this match was fine. I just you know like after that I mean I don't know if you watched the promo package before it but it was about three or four minutes long and. Building up this long feud. I mean, Batista got punted months ago. Yeah. Ric Flair got brought in here and it was made very, very personal. And just to go from that and then to give us a seven minute match in a cage, mm-hmm. I just felt like a waste. It just. So, and then the match that obviously the match that follows this one goes fucking double the time it should have. You know, I felt like this match went short. It should have went longer. It should have had more to it. And right. it should have been more about Batista fucking wrecking Randy Orton. Right. So, yeah. Uh, and here's the point. Obviously, next night on Raw. Um, he gets attacked by Legacy that puts him out of action so he's he's injured in this match by the looks of things because mm-hmm. I, I couldn't see a point where the injury happened in this match Um, so I'm going to assume that they were just getting him through they were just getting him through it they've cut the, they've cut the time of this match it must have just happened the injury must have happened on uh, on the kind of previous week's Raw because mm-hmm. uh, as I said Dave's out for four months uh, after that after, after the next night's Raw um, but why bother? Why bother putting the belt on him though? No, just just change the finish. Because if the, if the worry is I'm taking a bump or something, just beat him up a bit, you know. Just lay yeah. some, get legacy in the cage, you know. Beat him down, use a chair, do whatever it takes to get the win, you know. I also thought it was um, he looked so pissed off holding up the belt after the match as well. Did, I don't know if you noticed that or not. I just, yeah. just looked so annoyed. It just, I, I just felt wrong. I just you know, and it was it, it was noticeable. You know, that's the yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, the match had like a strange atmosphere to it. I wouldn't I'd say I would know by by no means say it was a bad match. It was it just wasn't a show stealer. It was just No. I just what it was. I just felt underwhelming. Um It was a championship match in two thousand nine without Triple H, so I mean <laughs> positives. Ah, jeez oh. Uh, so I Batista Batista wins in seven minutes or three, but we'll move on for that one. It was just a bit um Yeah. Uh, next up the real showcase match, John Cena versus the big show on a submission match. Um so as we said, the simple story is, is how John can't knock in the STF. I quite like that, you know, mm-hmm, in terms of simple psychology. Um, I thought the build to this was it was incredible. Um, and going back to your further question for that, I was watching around about this time. I, I recall watching the Backlash pay-per-view live and putting Big Show fucking smashed him through the big spotlight. Man, yeah, I, what a cool spot. spot. Man, fucking marking out, man. That's brilliant stuff. Really good. Um, poor Big Show, man. No reaction for the crowd at all. Ah, it's a shame. Oh, um, it's, it's an absolute shame. I mean, you're in there against Cena, and you're, you're supposed to have all this heel heat, and you get zero reaction at all. Yeah. Leaving boot, just what a shame. Um, they put over um, the full kind of a how can you get Big Show to tap out uh, mm. in his career? How many times has he lost by submission? Oh, <laughs> I, I'm going to guess at least thirty. Uh, according to Profite DB, he has he has tapped out twenty eight times. Oh, I wasn't far away. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I recall him tapping out to like Benoit and stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, that's guys he was working yeah. with back then, and of course he's tapped out to them. Um, it's like just it's even going to spout these nonsense facts. Like, of course I'm going to go check them. Yeah, of course. I mean, <laughs> you think I'm not a geek? <laughs> uh, it's always Michael Cole, man. Yeah. Fucking. <laughs> For the first time ever. Yeah, uh, it's, it's not. It's happened four times before. Uh, they also play the kind of uh, the bog standard. Uh, Big shows the immovable object when Cena could squat him 
easily. Like, yeah, in reality, he could get him on his shoulders for 20 minutes, no problem at all. Yeah, um, it's very much the old David Goliath storyline here. Um, Cena try to chop him down, Big Show just stopping him in his tracks. How can Cena get over the big man? Like, he's fucking done it up 10 times before. Like, I know it, just, it doesn't work when it's Cena. No. He's so strong. Like, uh, Literally, 2004, WrestleMania 20, he beat Big Show in the Madison Square Garden. Yeah. We're now, Garden. Yeah. yeah, we're now five years to nine and we're it's, still in this. Like, it's, just, it's just WWE likes to do it. It was a fool. You always go back to the, the Hogan-Andre thing. Oh, he slammed him for the first time at Mania 3. No, it's happened five years before that. Yeah. Hogan's already slammed him. You know what I mean? Like, But whatever you have to put on your marquee to get the butts in the seats, I suppose, Vince. Yeah, um, so towards the end of the match, Cena hits his moves of doom, complete with the, the actual adjustment. As you said, I think it is still quite impressive when you watch it, you know. Yeah, yeah. You have to acknowledge the strength yeah, Cena's got. It's yeah. unbelievable. I could not... It's like lifting a fridge with, that can move. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's incredible. Um, <laughs> so, thumbs up to the finish guy for this evening. Uh, Cena uses the rope. To, to trap Big Show's leg so basically he can lock in the STF there and he wrap the leg as well no. Um, no, taps, he taps out giving Cena the win 19 minutes I'm not, I'm not giving you that one that finish was bollocks man <laughs> it, un- his leg was uh, slipping out of <laughs> unhook your leg you fucking big oaf it's not trapped yeah. anything so as I like to do we'll uh, we'll have a, a, a address of the finish and watch the match that happened why don't you fucking hook the leg with your leg and use the fucking strap to wrap it around his mouth yeah, pull, pulling a strap. Good vision. There's one line around for the MAGA match. It's, it's under the ring somewhere. Did they not do that with somebody? Did they not do that with Rusev or something? And it works. With the chain. Yeah, it's that a bright, work better. It's yeah, a bright totally. visual. No, no, I'll just, I'll just, I'll hook his leg in the ropes that he can easily get out of and just fucking give him a cuddle. His submissions are so loose. And no, it was throughout the match. You obviously pointed that out earlier on. Every submission attempt is so loose. Um, like, seen as like, with an STF, you're supposed to pull back on the face. Yeah. But with your arms bent. Mm-hmm. But Cena straightens his arms yep. and like squeezes inwards. Yeah. He's just feel like squashing the cheeks in. Yeah. Fucking him up, you know, yep. rather than actually fucking yanking him back on his neck. Yep. He's like an influencer squeezing their tits together, man. Like that's, <laughs> that's basically what he's trying to do. Cena is uh, a push up, bro. <laughs> it fucking is. But also, Big Show, uh, Big Show had like seen a mounted at one point. Um, it just looked like a bonding session, man. It just looked. Fucking dreadful, man. Yeah. Um, the one major positive in this match uh, goes to the referee for not enforcing the rope break because Brad Armstrong yeah. knows the rules. Well done. Yeah. Sir. Thumbs up. Yeah, that's probably Jordan in because it was going to be the finish anyway. Like, yeah, I wasn't exactly. need ropes here, just you know. So. Yeah. Ah, fair enough. Because um, that's always a grey area for me because some referees, I was like, they call a rope break now and again. And it's like, yeah, you know, are you supposed to? You know, it gets you confused. Yep. You know, a submission um, match. A submission match is no disqualifications. Yeah. Uh, as for the match in general, 19 minutes was oh, too garbage, fucking long. Garbage. As I said, looking obviously at the reasons for the previous match, I think they had to put more time into this one. Yes, yeah, this could have been 10 and the other match could have been near 20, you know what I mean? Um, 15, 20 minutes and that. I just felt like a fucking drag. Um, main event, please. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, Jeff Hardy versus Edge in a ladder match for the World Heavyweight Championship. Ten years in the making. Um, of course, as tag teams Edge and Cushion and the Hardy Boys help change ladder matches as we know them. Um, and obviously now these two are top of the mountain going one-on-one for the world title. What were your expectations, first and foremost? Um, high. Yeah. Fucking sky high. Um, probably two of the better. Can I? Obviously two of the best mid-card workers coming through. 2001 through to kind of 2004 5 mm-hmm. kind of range um it's nice to see them get the get the chance at the big one um i'll put a question back to you jeff hardy what's your, what's your thoughts on jeff hardy uh, it's, it's always a tough one isn't it because i mean in terms of when he gets in there you know and i know a lot of it's i suppose you could use the term spot monkeyish. you know like mm-hmm. it's high spots and stuff like that, but he, he definitely adds to matches and I think, you know, growing up knowing, obviously being a bit younger, knowing Jeff, you know, loving Jeff Hardy then because yeah. it, it was just so different from the mm-hmm. the curve, you know, and I, th- I think a lot of people have that same perception that he was just so exciting and so different that you I, could not pay attention to him. I think he's, um, I think he gets overlooked as he's probably one of the most popular guys 
in wrestling ever. Even to this day. Yeah. So spoilers to the listeners. Um, I was watching Invasion for an upcoming podcast that we're going to do. Uh, and I've made some notes about that as well. There is no time where Jeff Hardy doesn't get the biggest pop of the night. It's no. just, it's ridiculous, man. It's crazy. He always, you know, I mean, he's he always goes out his way to kind of high five the crowd on the way down to the ring, and you don't get that for a lot of faces. Even does that as you see to this day, he still does it. Yeah, um, I was watching Raw just a while ago. There, um, was it Raw? Or no, it was, it was um, when he was working Sheamus um, at the pay per view there. Mm-hmm, um, Extreme Rules. I don't before that, I can't remember. Doesn't doesn't matter. Um, whatever one it was, um, no, not Sheamus. Sheamus was coming up. Uh, backlash it was. Um, he was working Sheamus, and obviously the the, the glass per- per- perspex is up, yeah. and it's the performance center people, and he's still going round, yeah. you know, hitting the glass and stuff like that. Yeah. And yeah. it's just like it's just in his nature, I think. But yeah. yeah, I think I think you know whether it's families, young people, um, older fans. There's something about Jeff Hardy that just sticks, mm-hmm. and you kind of teach that. It's just it's yeah. an X factor that you just have. Um, it's and in that. terms of you know the fact that you won the big one, you know, um, yeah, not talking about this one when we were facing Jeff uh, Randy Orton and stuff like that, you know, um, when he won the retitle then and stuff like that, it didn't last very long. But the fact that he got there, I think it was definitely deserved, you know. Someone of his kind of size, yeah. The people will always say Matt Hardy is the better all round worker in terms of you know. See, I always used to think that, um, but I have changed my mind drastically. Yeah, I think you need. I think you need to sit back and look at, you know, actually. How many great Matt Hardy matches is there? And how many great Jeff Hardy matches is there? You know, that's, that's you look for the match, I suppose. But yeah, but it's just it's it's the moves, uh, the the work rate, incredible. It's yeah, just, it's, it's just it's an absolute shame the demons kind of got in the way. It is. It's, it's a shame because um, he could have been top dog for for years. Yeah, absolutely. and he does kick it aside here and there, and you know, it kind of comes back to him. And yeah, I just hope he can sort of clean up post-wrestling, you know, and enjoy time after wrestling because, you know, I think that's probably the toughest time for people Definitely. when they leave the business is, you know, staying away from that. Um, and he'd probably be a pretty solid hand when it comes to, you know, producing and stuff like that. Totally agree. Totally. See, um, imagine guys like, uh, imagine how much guys like Ricochet could learn from yeah. Jeff Hardy, you know what I mean? Like, Especially and a guy like Jeff Hardy, I mean, he's taking a lot of sips, you know, sickening bumps and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. He'd probably telling people to tone it down in places, you know, which would be hilarious because Jeff has never done that. But by the same token, you know, the, the effect it takes on your body and stuff. And that's why he, he doesn't do the swan tom properly anymore. Mm-hmm. He just lands on people because like, I'm not taking the bump, so I just fucking land on them. Like, well, again, man, if you, if you go back to, to kind of 2000, 2001, man, see them mental spots you used to take after ladders and stuff like that. You yeah. fucking hell, they want you like the drugs. Like, <laughs> I fucking need them. But this, uh, this, this match is, is more of that. Um. Mm. <laughs> uh, I like that um, JR opening comment of the match. Uh, he states that uh, these two don't have to warm up to each other. They know each other inside and out. And it's just straight down to business uh, of beating each other down. Like, oh, fucking, that's what I'm... He also says that these two have had more ladder matches than anybody else. Yeah. Um, which is just excellent as well. Because, I mean, I never fact-checked that, but it must be near enough I'm, true. I'm going to assume it's true. Yeah, um, the fact that GR said that not Michael Cole's just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not told fucking uh, Gresham. Uh, <laughs> should be fine. It should be fine. Um, not as not as a reliable source as Taz is in commentary. Don't, don't of course not. Of course uh, not. Nobody is. I mean, what can you, what can you say? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, this is just an all-out fucking hard-hitting affair. Uh, so many spots to call. Um, it, it's impossible. Every move, every single move is landing perfectly, and it's popping the crowd. There's no. Um, it's not taking that wee extra second to, to get into position. It's just bang, no. bang, bang, bang. It's bang. an absolute spot fest. Oh, it's, it's tremendous. It's, um, it's I did like the um, Jeff Hardy opened the ladder upside down and then dropped Edge with a front suplex on top of it. I thought mm. that looked absolutely painful. There is no give there whatsoever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Much to the next spot, the fucking absolute car crash spot through the ladder and outside, man. <sighs> fucking madness, man. Yeah, the bridge the ladder across the apron and the barricade mm. and both guys climbed the ladder nearby and just sort of toppled over and fell right through it. Yeah. Uh, crash and burn. <laughs> it, was a, it was the old kind of a... Matt and Bubba Ray Dudley spot for Mania 17 for the, but they get through tables through the tables yeah. uh, well there was four tables there for me but I give this is one ladder and fuck me they went for it snapped um, in two places it's... you know me I'm a cynical bastard I need to look for at least one negative unfortunately it was the it was the spear into the twist of fate ah, that was horrible I just, I just looked it looked so messy 
So yeah. if, you, if you remember the spot from Mania 17 where Jeff Hardy's dangling and mm. Edge spears on every wrestling fan seen that. It's, it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's written in highlight real folklore. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's like, iconic. it's there. But it, it sort of tried to recreate that, but Jeff Hardy's standing on top of, he's standing just on the ladder. Like, if Edge did hit the spear, he would just have hit the ladder. It yes. wouldn't have made much sense. No. So, it was just like a spot for the sake of doing that spot where, yeah. where Jeff hits the twist of feet. I understood why they did it. They sort of wanted to maybe take a nod back to that, but it just wasn't well executed. I, I did note that myself. Um, but that's the only negative I could take from this match. Mm-hmm. Um, that and the ref bump, um, which I just didn't understand. Nah, um, I was... I just don't see whether there was a need for that. No, why didn't you need that? <laughs> you don't. And nothing came of it either. It just, it just happened. Um, the, the finish, um, very, very good and creative again, in my opinion. Um, Edge climbs up the ladder. Jeff gets knocked off. So Jeff sort of grabs Edge's legs and just drapes him through. So he's sort of hanging there with his shoulders. like He's like, he's like yeah, so chest yeah. stuck in the ladder. And he's yeah. sort of flapping, trying to get it. I thought it was fantastic. So he's sort of forced to look up at Jeff Hardy as he uncuts the title. Um I thought it was excellent. Just excellent finish. Um, I, I thought it was very well done. Um, it's better than the bog standard. Oh, I'm 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 so tired climbing yeah. this ladder. Um, nah, bollocks! It was just like, um, it was just it was so quickly done, which is brilliant because it's my one critique of ladder matches is the the finish is so anticlimactic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the kind of slow climb just unhook the fucking the belt of the briefcase, but this was just nope, right through the ladder and up Jeff went and grabbed the title. Bang over and done with in, in five seconds. Oh, fucking brilliant stuff. Yeah. Brilliant stuff. No, I loved that. I did like that finish. Um and Jeff Hardy wins the title and the show closes. Oh, wait a minute. We've still got ten minutes to go. Yeah. Mr. Money in the Bank is cashing on his briefcase. Um it's official. Punk hits the GTS and hardly kicks it. I was like, shit. Yeah. <laughs> um but he has another one and it's game over. So CM Punk steals Jeff Hardy's moment, gets a barrage of booze and heat, um, and mm. he stands tall as the show closes out with his second world title win. Um, so, thoughts on the match and the subsequent subsequent cash in? Yeah, I thought the match was fantastic. Uh, both guys, stellar performance as you'd expect for these two. Obviously, big time mm. chemistry, um, especially in the ladder environment. Um, Seemed like the most interesting of matches in terms of what the fans wanted to see as well. So I think the right match went on last. Would you agree with that? Like, probably agree with that. Yeah. Um, aye. Yeah. 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 There wouldn't have been there wouldn't have been much um, feel for the crowd for the cage match to go on last or anything no. like that. Um, yeah. I mean, even as you say, this was Punk's second uh, world title, but I still think this was a big shock as well. Yeah. Oh um, my. Punk getting the rub again with the world title. Um, and it kind of a. I think it's better this time because it gives him the big shove towards the absolute bastard heel that he would become. Yeah, so I had a mixed thing about that one because when I watched, I was like, in my opinion, because obviously Punk's babyface at the time, I'm mm-hmm. thinking, you know, it would have made more sense for Punk to cash in on Edge, you know, after yeah. the grueling match because that would have got him well over. But by the same token, obviously, this led him down the heel path, yeah. which led him down that great feud with Jeff Hardy. Um, all right, they eventually lose the title in October to, to Undertaker, but then post that, the Street Edge Society stuff would come about. Exactly. So yeah. really, it was the making of Punk, if you, if you, if you go back enough, you know, because um, that whole heel run would eventually leave his face turn and, you know, having that great run with Cena and stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, which I think was fantastic. So, I mean, you take it as you wish, you know, but I think... In terms it's definitely of this. one of the, the launching points. Definitely is. Uh, it's definitely that launching pad where his career sort of took off and mm-hmm. people started to realise how good fucking Punk really is, especially as a heel. Um, yeah, excellent. I, just, I, I was very, very surprising, you know. Um, but yeah, I thought it was absolutely fantastic and the match itself is, was brilliant, you know. Um, I think it must be really, really difficult to do singles ladder matches, especially nowadays, um, with the, the bar being set so high with the multi-man matches that you get, you know. Um, yeah. But the amount of bumps you'd have to take, I mean, the multi-man matches, you, know, you can divvy it up, so you may only have to take two or three each. Exactly. But exactly. then you're having to take them all. It's like, fuck me. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, two guys that do not mind taking the, those bumps. So yeah, oh, I. It, it works. It works. Yeah. Uh, 20 minutes that lasted for that main event. Yeah. Not, not including punk scashing. Flew in. Absolutely flew in. Brilliant. No, it, it ended strong for me. Um, it did. Really enjoyed that. So, show overall then, what's your take? Uh, overall, I gave it a B-. minus. Um, I thought the first two matches were, were solid, and for fairness, the second match was more than solid. It was probably <laughs> the match of the year. 
Um, it just I say some of the best storytelling uh, in recent times I can remember. Uh, the strap match was uh, very poor, as was the ECW title match. Um, cage match brought the people back on track for me. I know you weren't a big fan of it, mm. uh, but um, especially after that fucking hogpin nonsense, uh, a nice quick title change with Dave being dominant, the big dominant animal. Um, submission match was a bit meh. Um, it was far too long for me, yeah, especially Big Show being in it. Uh, 20 minutes, Big Show in 20 minutes. Oh, come on, give it no up. thanks. I, I, I couldn't do Big Show 20 minutes when it was at your best, yeah, exactly, um. exactly. Uh, and of course, the main event was uh, absolutely smashing. Um, good stuff indeed. People, he was cut straight down the middle. Four good matches, four garbage matches. Um, and of course, the cash in at the end was also good. But I thought the, the good matches were that good, making mm. it outshine the garbage. Um, I would absolutely recommend to watch this pay-per-view, um, especially the Jericho match. If you've got 15 minutes to spare, watch the Jericho Mysterio match. Yeah, I, th- I think this match had some some hidden gems, definitely. Um, you know, I think the opening four, but that was okay for me. I probably didn't like that as much as you did. Mysterio Jericho, top-notch, definitely match of the night, probably, as you said, up there with match of that year. Um, I thought the finish, especially in that match, was really, really good. Um, so that match is all right. Didn't take too much time, thankfully. Uh, the hardcore match was fun for what it was. Hogpen, shit. Um, <laughs> Batista Norton, I, I felt fat for me. Didn't enjoy it. Um, just thought it expected more, you know. Yeah. Um, so that probably let me down a bit. Uh, Big Show Cena should have had 10 minutes less. Felt it dragged in. Um, and the, the sort of main event car crash is exactly what sort of Extreme Rules should have in the main event, you know. I think it should have that cluster of fucking madness at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um not just give a good pinnacle to the show. Um, and it makes you want to watch the next TV now. See what happens with you know punk cashing and stuff like that. See what see what the fallout with that is. Um, I all in a C plus for me. Um, I said two great matches, but I think there was a lot of meh in there. Um, you like two of the matches that I thought was okay, so I think that's maybe why I've come down a wee bit there. But um, so there you have it. Extreme Rules two thousand and nine. <laughs> uh, a fairly enjoyable watch. Um, so we'll be back. Um, the beginning of next week with Extreme Rules 2020. Um, short review of that, but uh, yeah, plenty to look forward to. You know, we've got this. You know, this is your wrestling life on William Regal coming up. We will be doing Invasion um, in the near future as well, which we're absolutely looking forward to. One of the best shows you could ever watch, it's, and so much to talk uh, about. It's my favourite B pay per view of all time. Yeah, it's, it's so much happening. That. It's brilliant. People that say the Invasion sort of language was bollocks, you're wrong, and you should feel bad. <laughs> Oh, I'm just going to have to tune in now to hear our thoughts on that one, that big Uh So, uh, thank you very much for joining me once again, Stuart. Always, it's good to be back. Always a pleasure. And take care of yourselves.